episode 346, The Rant. Brendan Byersdorfer, former track runner, music teacher, Board 41 certified basketball official. Prodigious is an appropriate word to describe one Brendan. In this pod, we discuss his love of sports, his love of music, his love of teaching, how the pandemic has changed over time and in life, as well as his pursuit to get to the highest levels of officiating. All that and more, my conversation with Brendan, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Long Island Legends U, the premier youth flag football league on Long Island. Calling all ages from 4 under to 18 and under, both boys and girls. Sign up as a team or a free agent. Expect pictures, social media posts, full game weekly highlight videos, and much, much more. Fall season for 2021 is rapidly approaching. Sign up today. To register, visit legendsu.com or follow us on Instagram at LILegendsU. Legends are not born, they are created. The Rant has been brought to you by the Island Garden, located at 45 Cherry Valley Avenue, West Hempstead, New York. Long Island. Enjoy three basketball courts with various camps, clinics, leagues, and the biggest AAU outfit in the nation, the Long Island Lightning. For more information to find out how you can get on the court, contact Tom at islandgarden.com. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest, Board 41 certified basketball official, also a music teacher, also ran track and field at Fredonia, SUNY Fredonia. Mm-hmm. See, I remember all that stuff. And we originally recorded in March, but so many things have changed since then. And we're taping this on August, is it 16th now, 15th? You trying to be a ref right now? What are you doing? <laughs> this is 15? He puts up 10 fingers. Shout out to Danny. <laughs> Oh, so 10 and then, okay, factorial guy. We're taping this on August 15th, but I'm with my man, Brendan Byersdorfer. How are you, my friend? How you doing, Ralph? Man, I'm so happy. Like, I'll just tell you a story this morning. So, um, they constantly change the schedule at Bolden Mac, only because, and no fault to them, it rains. People are supposed to have schedules that day, and it ends up getting all messed up because of the rain, and then, really depending on who they do, like, I really think that people that run leagues, they do God's work because there's so many things behind the scenes. So shout out to Danielle Wilson, somebody I've been working with close with for Bolden Mac. Shout out to Bolden Mac. Shout out to Andrew and all them. But um, I see what it takes to, like, really run a league. And it, it's so much. And, dude, I was in a jam last night, man. I think I spent from 8 o'clock all the way up until, like, 8.30. And I was like, you know what? I'm looking at your text message, Brendan. I'm like... I'm reading and it says, you're, you're, um, the only thing that you have to do that day is I have two games at Island Garden at 140 and 250. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to switch you with somebody else and hopefully they're available. I'm going to just put you on a game because I know that you thrive under that type of pressure, especially considering, you know, we were, when we first originally taped, I remember it was the same day that we had the meeting for what would become the New York High School Madness Tournament. Um, I think about how much you've grown since then and how much we had that conversation, but how much you've like, done so many different difficult refereeing games but I want to start off how was those games today I thought the games today went really well I felt uh, comfortable out there um, doing these games it's it's been a challenge for sure I mean you, you said from the start you're throwing me into the fire mm-hmm. and I mean that's exactly what it's been but honestly that's that's the only way to get better at something is to just keep doing it and you know for the first time today I felt like the game slowed down a little bit for me because when I first went out there it was really fast but I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's just basketball. We're still making calls. But the speed at which it's happening, I think today it finally slowed down a little bit more for me, and I was able to feel a little more confident out there. So speaking to that confidence and how much I think that you've already subconsciously, I know that you've grown a lot from the time that I saw you ref in February. I remember we were at St. Mary's, and they were playing St. Dom's, and you had the JV game. And I was like, dude, 
And I never really talked like this, but I was like, dude, you have like how many fouls? 18 fouls in, in one half? I was like, something's got to give. So that's when we started talking about, you know, just more upper level things of, of refereeing. But I really truly think that you've grown so much just based on the experience that you've had. And, you know, I'm not surprised that you feel as though your eye speed is a lot faster. You're able to process that information. Do you think it's because of a culmination of doing difficult games? That's the reason why it feels like it's slowing down for you? I think so. Yeah, I would agree to that. And uh, like I said, just uh, the way to get better at something is to just keep doing it. So, mm. you know, keep doing games at that speed. It's eventually going to slow down for you. Mm. So the pandemic to me has, <laughs> I don't know if it's, I feel like we had the shot to like <laughs> eradicate this completely once and for all in April. I, I was feeling pretty good. And mm. I remember when it first started, I had this prediction that it was going to end in summer 2022. And everyone was looking at me like I was crazy. But last summer around this time, people weren't thinking I was crazy because it just felt like it was long, right? And now we fast forward a year later and we're talking about August 2020. We've been reffing for like five months and everything's back to normal, but now it's bad again. But it, we're not acting the same way. And I know you just traveled. Talk about that experience traveling in America to Florida. What was that like? <laughs> um it's definitely a lot different down in Florida, a uh, lot less restrictions. People don't seem to be too worried about uh, what's happening, but I mean, it's, it's serious. It's coming back. Yeah, it's, it's definitely coming back, but I'm interested to see what happens this season because it seems as though, and, and as you know, you're a, you're a school teacher. Of course, everyone's going to be safe. Everyone's going to be following protocols of whatever it is specifically, but I think that because everything doesn't have the same uniform rules, we're going to get the uniform results, ununiform results. We're going to get, like, I think at this point, even though there's so many people vaccinated and half the population is vaccinated, I truly think that it's just going to have to run its course because not everyone wants to think. Unfortunately, this is not a situation where only half the people can listen because those half people are going to affect 100% of the people. So, you know, like I said, as always, socially distance, wash your hands, just try to make sure that you're safe as possible, even if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. Just be considerate towards others. People want to wear masks, you should wear masks, but... If you truly feel like you want to make a difference, wear a mask yourself. That's, that's how I feel. So, um, but I want to go back to you, man. You know, I think you're, you're a very interesting case study because I find myself somebody that really is in a position that now I can truly help people. Like I can truly influence somebody to, you know, make a mark for themselves and I can really point people in the right direction. And, you know, I think about somebody like you who reaps the benefit of that type of intelligentsia because... You know, I think in the beginning, you don't really know a lot of people. You don't know your network. And also depending, you're also a quiet person. So it's not like you're out there like really trying to like hand out your, your business card to, to let everyone know that you're there. But I always think that I've made so many mistakes early on because I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any type of network. And I just kind of like through trial and error. Ref here. Okay, stop refing here. Okay, listen to this person. Don't listen to this person. But it's like a really like a thing. But it's it's such a breath of fresh air when you find somebody then you can latch onto them and you can say I know I can tell them anything I know I they won't judge me and they know that they're in the the best interest of you know helping somebody so I've always thought about that because I didn't have that many people that helped me especially around the area that we're from but the people that did help me um you know I never forgot it and something that I've always really imparted in myself was that if I'm ever in a position to help people the same way and also just to be, have the ability to not make the same mistakes that I have, um, I think it would, would pay dividends for somebody whenever they're out there. So then here you come along, right? I see you at Island Garden maybe like four years ago and I'm like, all right, this kid has potential and we'll see how it goes. And, you know, I think when you express interest in, you know, wanting to starting to figure it out. I didn't even realize because it felt like a call for help, a cry for help when you were saying like, I've been trying all these different things. I didn't even know that. And just talk about what it was like before the tournament when you expressed that. Um, what was that feeling like? Because I understand that feeling, just being on JV and, and you don't know when you're going to get your shot. What did that feel like? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a little bit frustrating. I mean, I'm, I'm somebody who takes a lot of pride in... Um Episode 346, The Rant. Brendan Byersdorfer, former track runner, music teacher, 
Board 41 certified basketball official. Prodigious is an appropriate word to describe one Brendan. In this pod, we discuss his love of sports, his love of music, his love of teaching, how the pandemic has changed over time and in life, as well as his pursuit to get to the highest levels of officiating. All that and more, my conversation with Brendan, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Long Island Legends U, the premier youth flag football league on Long Island. Calling all ages from 4 under to 18 and under, both boys and girls. Sign up as a team or a free agent. Expect pictures, social media posts, full game weekly highlight videos, and much, much more. Fall season for 2021 is rapidly approaching. Sign up today. To register, visit legendsu.com or follow us on Instagram at LILegendsU. Legends are not born, they are created. The Rant has been brought to you by the Island Garden, located at 45 Cherry Valley Avenue, West Hempstead, New York. Long Island. Enjoy three basketball courts with various camps, clinics, leagues, and the biggest AAU outfit in the nation, the Long Island Lightning. For more information to find out how you can get on the court, contact Tom at islandgarden.com. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest, Board 41 certified basketball official, also a music teacher, also ran track and field at Fredonia, SUNY Fredonia. Mm-hmm. See, I remember all that stuff. And we originally recorded in March, but so many things have changed since then. And we're taping this on August, is it 16th now, 15th? You trying to be a ref right now? What are you doing? <laughs> this is 15? He puts up 10 fingers. Shout out to Danny. <laughs> Oh, so 10 and then, okay, factorial guy. We're taping this on August 15th, but I'm with my man, Brendan Byersdorfer. How are you, my friend? How you doing, Ralph? Man, I'm so happy. Like, I'll just tell you a story this morning. So, um, they constantly change the schedule at Bolden Mac, only because, and no fault to them, it rains. People are supposed to have schedules that day, and it ends up getting all messed up because of the rain, and then, really depending on who they do, like, I really think that people that run leagues, they do God's work because there's so many things behind the scenes. So shout out to Danielle Wilson, somebody I've been working with close with for Bolden Mac. Shout out to Bolden Mac. Shout out to Andrew and all them. But um, I see what it takes to, like, really run a league. And it, it's so much. And, dude, I was in a jam last night, man. I think I spent from 8 o'clock all the way up until, like, 8.30. And I was like, you know what? I'm looking at your text message, Brendan. I'm like... I'm reading and it says, you're, you're, um, the only thing that you have to do that day is I have two games at Island Garden at 140 and 250. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to switch you with somebody else and hopefully they're available. I'm going to just put you on a game because I know that you thrive under that type of pressure, especially considering, you know, we were, when we first originally taped, I remember it was the same day that we had the meeting for what would become the New York High School Madness Tournament. Um, I think about how much you've grown since then and how much we had that conversation, but how much you've like, done so many different difficult refereeing games but I want to start off how was those games today I thought the games today went really well I felt uh, comfortable out there um, doing these games it's it's been a challenge for sure I mean you, you said from the start you're throwing me into the fire mm-hmm. and I mean that's exactly what it's been but honestly that's that's the only way to get better at something is to just keep doing it and you know for the first time today I felt like the game slowed down a little bit for me because when I first went out there it was really fast but I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's just basketball. We're still making calls. But the speed at which it's happening, I think today it finally slowed down a little bit more for me, and I was able to feel a little more confident out there. So speaking to that confidence and how much I think that you've already subconsciously, I know that you've grown a lot from the time that I saw you ref in February. I remember we were at St. Mary's, and they were playing St. Dom's, and you had the JV game. And I was like, dude, 
And I never really talked like this, but I was like, dude, you have like how many fouls? 18 fouls in, in one half? I was like, something's got to give. So that's when we started talking about, you know, just more upper level things of, of refereeing. But I really truly think that you've grown so much just based on the experience that you've had. And, you know, I'm not surprised that you feel as though your eye speed is a lot faster. You're able to process that information. Do you think it's because of a culmination of doing difficult games? That's the reason why it feels like it's slowing down for you? I think so. Yeah, I would agree to that. And uh, like I said, just uh, the way to get better at something is to just keep doing it. So, mm. you know, keep doing games at that speed. It's eventually going to slow down for you. Mm. So the pandemic to me has, <laughs> I don't know if it's, I feel like we had the shot to like <laughs> eradicate this completely once and for all in April. I, I was feeling pretty good. And mm. I remember when it first started, I had this prediction that it was going to end in summer 2022. And everyone was looking at me like I was crazy. But last summer around this time, people weren't thinking I was crazy because it just felt like it was long, right? And now we fast forward a year later and we're talking about August 2020. We've been reffing for like five months and everything's back to normal, but now it's bad again. But it, we're not acting the same way. And I know you just traveled. Talk about that experience traveling in America to Florida. What was that like? <laughs> um it's definitely a lot different down in Florida, a uh, lot less restrictions. People don't seem to be too worried about uh, what's happening, but I mean, it's, it's serious. It's coming back. Yeah, it's, it's definitely coming back, but I'm interested to see what happens this season because it seems as though, and, and as you know, you're a, you're a school teacher. Of course, everyone's going to be safe. Everyone's going to be following protocols of whatever it is specifically, but I think that because everything doesn't have the same uniform rules, we're going to get the uniform results, ununiform results. We're going to get, like, I think at this point, even though there's so many people vaccinated and half the population is vaccinated, I truly think that it's just going to have to run its course because not everyone wants to think. Unfortunately, this is not a situation where only half the people can listen because those half people are going to affect 100% of the people. So, you know, like I said, as always, socially distance, wash your hands, just try to make sure that you're safe as possible, even if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. Just be considerate towards others. People want to wear masks, you should wear masks, but... If you truly feel like you want to make a difference, wear a mask yourself. That's, that's how I feel. So, um, but I want to go back to you, man. You know, I think you're a, you're a very interesting case study because I find myself somebody that really is in a position that now I can truly help people. Like I can truly influence somebody to, you know, make a mark for themselves and I can really point people in the right direction. And, you know, I think about somebody like you who reaps the benefit of that type of intelligentsia because... You know, I think in the beginning, you don't really know a lot of people. You don't know your network. And also depending, you're also a quiet person. So it's not like you're out there like really trying to like hand out your, your business card to, to let everyone know that you're there. But I always think that I've made so many mistakes early on because I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any type of network. And I just kind of like through trial and error. Ref here. Okay, stop refing here. Okay, listen to this person. Don't listen to this person. But it's like a really like a thing. But it's it's such a breath of fresh air when you find somebody then you can latch onto them and you can say I know I can tell them anything I know I they won't judge me and they know that they're in the the best interest of you know helping somebody so I've always thought about that because I didn't have that many people that helped me especially around the area that we're from but the people that did help me um you know I never forgot it and something that I've always really imparted in myself was that if I'm ever in a position to help people the same way and also just to be, have the ability to not make the same mistakes that I have, um, I think it would, would pay dividends for somebody whenever they're out there. So then here you come along, right? I see you at Island Garden maybe like four years ago and I'm like, all right, this kid has potential and we'll see how it goes. And, you know, I think when you express interest in, you know, wanting to starting to figure it out. I didn't even realize because it felt like a call for help, a cry for help when you were saying like, I've been trying all these different things. I didn't even know that. And just talk about what it was like before the tournament when you expressed that. Um, what was that feeling like? Because I understand that feeling, just being on JV and, and you don't know when you're going to get your shot. What did that feel like? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a little bit frustrating. I mean, I'm, I'm somebody who takes a lot of pride in um, how hard I work. I mean, I, I always hustle no matter what game I work and uh just, you know, if you work hard, you, you want to get rewarded for it. And uh, seeing myself not move up, it's, it's definitely a little bit frustrating. But, you know, keep the only thing that I can keep doing is, is keep proving myself and keep hustling and keep 
you know, working high level games that'll put me in a position where I can get the exposure and somebody can see me. And eventually, yes, I, I believe I will get there. I never really got a chance to have a full length conversation about your experience at the New York High School Madness. I definitely gave you a lot of games because I did that not even so much about just the experience of refing, but just more of, of like seeing what the network is like of people that are like like minded like me, because I think I'm an anomaly. There are some people that are like me, but when you meet a whole bunch of people like that and then they help you the same way. What was that experience like just refing with different people and just talk about the different people that you refed and what you learned? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I thought overall that was a, a really great experience. It was really cool that they had it at Island Garden. How everything kind of came full circle. That's where I've been working for, for so long. And then to, you know, have this, this new tournament to work at a, a higher level of basketball. It was just, it was just really great to work that. And of course, like you just said, working with, with new officials that I had, I had never worked with before and just guys that have really been in the field for a long time. I mean, I was working with college level officials and just the, the feedback, the advice that they were giving me and just talking and, and networking. I mean, that's what, that's what, what we do is all about really. I mean, just meeting people and we're all in it together. What kind of advice were they giving to you um, at that tournament? Um, a lot of it was uh, just there was some talk about some camps that I should go to uh, basketball in the city being a lot a lot better a lot more competitive I should try to make my way out there if so if more possible. than one more than one person has told you that oh yeah at that tournament absolutely okay because <laughs> they saw it in you right see yes. I knew it I'm not crazy yeah and I I talked to the guys a little bit about um that I want to get certified on the girls side too and they they absolutely agreed you know that's that's a great way to you know attack it from the, from the other side of, of basketball. And I could work my way up on the girls' side as mm. well. We touched upon this a little bit off air of, you know, I really thought that not only was that tournament difficult, but I think it was also difficult that regardless of whoever high-level referee that I've had or somebody like you, everyone was rusty because we weren't really refing. You know, even like Long Island had a small slice and it was like different. But this tournament, as you've seen, all those city teams – they were just, they, they, they wanted to do something. I felt like they were caged animals. Um, did you feel that sentiment too? And like, how rusty were you? And how long did it take you to find your footing? Because it went from like, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any basketball involved. And then all of a sudden you're refing. And you're refing with a mask on. And you're refing super high level basketball games. Was that, was that a very difficult thing to adjust at that time in real time? It was definitely a, an adjustment. I we were just coming off of, I mean, we had a little bit of a BOCE season. So I think um, the, the major adjusting I had to do happened during that time. I mean, that was the first time I put the mask on refing and that was a big adjustment. But um, as you were saying, yes, these were definitely higher level games and a, a little bit of a wake up call that, that first game that I got put into. I would, I would say by the second game, I, I felt, you know, like I was, I was fully back and I was, you know, fully ready to go. I think that first game was kind of uh, shake all the dust off and just kind of, you know, get back into the swing of things, get your, your eye speed adjusting again. I remember you were sweating profusely. I was like, damn, Brandon, you working. <laughs> <laughs> but you overall had a positive experience in that. I think you did like a total of like eight games, right? You did a lot of games. I think so. Yeah, it was somewhere. So you had some that. money in your pocket too. <laughs> so that's, that's really awesome. But I think that momentum really carried you. And I know earlier, I'd say around maybe a month before that, you had the opportunity to do your first varsity game. What was that experience like? I, I thought it went really well. It was a, kind of a last minute thing. I got a text from, a, from Irving Armand. He uh, texted me the day of the game. He said, uh, you got anything going on today? I said, no, why? What's going on? He said, he's in a jam and uh, his partner that he was supposed to work with at Portledge, uh, whatever, couldn't work the game and told me, you know, I'm in and uh, throw me into the fire again. And I just, you know, worked as hard as I could. And it was, I, I thought I called a really good game overall. Yeah. You've been getting some great experience and then you know, just going back to this Bolden Mac experience and then now that you're more of a veteran person at Island Garden and then your experience with the tournament and then, of course, your school season, how much do you think you've grown from when we didn't have any refereeing at all to you know, August 2021? I think I've grown a lot and I, I think a lot of it has been lately I've been trying to be a little more reflective on my on my refereeing, you know, uh, at the end of games, I kind of, you know, think about, I mean, we always think about calls that we miss or whatever, but I just think about like, you know, are there different positions I could have put myself in that maybe I could have seen this play a little differently. I, I think I'm just thinking about it differently. Whereas in the past I used to like 
get on. Okay. Like I missed that call. I missed that call, but now it's more like how, how can I fix it? And what, what can I do next time I'm out there to make sure that, you know, the next time that same call happens, I'm there for it. And I know that it's going to happen. I know you've been slowing down with your eye speed and also just like your mental, but do you think physically you're starting to slow down the things that you're doing on the court? Because I think about when I ref, I feel like I'm so slow compared to everybody else. Cause I just, you know, I, I just, I got time. You know what I mean? Do you feel like you've slowed down just your appearance wise when you're refereeing and you're making calls? I think so. That's, that's something I've, I've tried to do. I mean, uh, people who have observed me in the past have always said, you know, we're, we're in charge of the game. Everybody waits for us. Cause I'm, I mean, it, we make the calls and then the players have to wait. You know, when, when we call a foul, we report the foul. And when we're ready to resume the game, that's we put the ball back into play. So I think I've tried to keep that in mind and just kind of, you know, take your time, make the call. Don't rush through anything and practice good mechanics and just keep it going. So, yes, I, I think I think I have gotten better with not reporting so quick. Just take a breath. Take, yeah, some, take I, some time. I got to come down and, and watch you. Um, you know, I, I sat down with Ernie like two weeks ago and he showed me all his methods so, babe, I'm going to come down with the golf hat and just come out of nowhere, like the second half and go, let me talk to you. What's your last four digits of your social security? I love the way he, he does it. Shout out to Ernie, man. I rep with him a lot this summer, too. It's, um, he's, it's, he's a really great resource to just, you know, just bounce ideas off and just all of the, the breadth of knowledge that he has. He's an awesome person. So shout out to uh, Ernie. Um, but obviously the coronavirus is still something that's very prevalent. I think, in fact, I read this morning in the New York Times that there's still 160,000 cases and the hospitalizations are going up. And, you know, it's interesting that people are saying that it just came back, but it never left. It's been kicking our ass for three. This is the, and you know, as a teacher, mm -hmm. it's the third straight school year that's been affected, which is a very long time. So even if it ends like in two months, which it won't, um, it's been such a long trying time. And there's been so many different permutations, whether it be the shutdown, right? Then we're just used to how it is. And then, things you're, you're, you're trying to get back to normal and then, you know, basketball ramped up and we were wearing masks and then the vaccine came out and then everyone got lax to the point where by the time it was 4th of July, everything kind of went back to normal, but we aren't back to, norm back to normal. But, you know, going back to the whole pandemic as a whole, how was your family holding up? How have you been? And going back, when was the moment that you took everything like really serious that this is going to be I don't know. This might change our life. Mm -hmm. So, so I've been, I've been okay during the, the pandemic. My family's been okay. My, uh, I think it affected my, my younger brother a lot. He's a, he's a, I don't know if you remember from my last time, he's a touring musician. Uh, he, he tours with the show Jersey boys all throughout the country. And because of coronavirus, the whole thing got canceled. So he's been at home doing nothing for like a year and a half. So I think it's affected him, uh, the most in my family. Uh, when did I take it serious? I think when they started canceling, professional sports like i saw you know the the basketball season was was done march madness canceled i mean that's a huge tournament and to cancel something like that and crazy golf they canceled the pga tour season i mean and they were saying the whole time golf is a socially distanced sport anyway i mean you're always six feet apart from whoever you're playing with so i think i took it serious when they when they canceled professional sports definitely um during this whole time this whole two years of just everything kind of being different everything being closed and then open. And then now it's just in a weird place of like, cause I know we're not going to go back to being shut down. It's just not possible regardless of how many cases. What do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time? I think one of my biggest takeaways from coronavirus is uh, every now and then you need to just, just slow down and just take a breath and do something for yourself. That makes you happy. Find something that you like, find something you're passionate about and just take a little bit of your time every day and do that. Uh, before coronavirus, we, a lot of people, we just get so caught up in the hustle and bustle of everything. I mean, of officials, especially in the heat of the AAU season, we're doing what, eight games in a day, nine games in a day. I mean, at the end of the day, just, just take a little bit of your time to your day, find anything, read a book, take a walk, go work out, listen to music, anything, just do something for yourself to that day. Just, it, I think it just keeps you sane really. Mm. I'm so excited to post this because I think a lot of people think you're so quiet and they probably heard within the first 17 minutes and 26 seconds of this podcast of how much you have been able to speak. People are probably like, wow, he talks. So that's why I'm interested for everyone to really hear and for you to share your story about where you're from. Talk about where you're from, where you grow up, 
Um, what'd you play in middle school, high school, and in college? Sure. I was, I was actually born in Queens. Uh, I moved out to Long Island when I was two years old. Uh, I grew up in Levittown, New York. I went to Island Trees High School, played basketball, golf, and ran track there. Um, I also played in St. Bernard's in Levittown as the, the Catholic intramural leagues. I played CYO growing up. Um, and then in eighth grade, they offered a, uh, you could take a class to, to ref in the intramural league. So that's, that's kind of how I got into, into officiating. That's so interesting because I started at the tender age of 31. And to hear that you started at such an early age, what was that experience like? Because I'm only asking because if I was, I even think if I was like 20 years old, I don't think I'd be ready because I was so immature. I just was an immature kid this whole time. So what was it like refing? early on? I think early on, I, I saw it a lot more as, as a job, as a way to make money. Cause you know, you're, you're in high school and you're, you're looking for a job, just some way to make money. And you know, some kids are working at, uh, I don't know, clothing stores. Some kids are working at McDonald's, but I was, I was just the ref. I just saw it as a, as a way to make money on the side. And then eventually it, it grew into much more than that, a, a passion really. It's just something that I love today. Now I definitely don't do it for the, the same motive that I did when I, when I started. How much were you getting paid in the beginning? I think I made $8 a game when I, when I started out. <laughs> that's, slave, that's slave labor now that you think about it. Child labor when you think about that. But at the same time, I'm sure it was fun because at the very least, I think that officiating really teaches you like leadership skills. It teaches you. And I don't know if you ever met my friend Jeff, but Jeff is also like super quiet and he refs flag football with me. And in flag football, it's very performative. Like you got to go first down, you know, to the 20... There's three minutes and you're announcing this because there's no clock, there's no book. You are the book, you are the clock, you are the show. You let everybody know what, what down it is. You let everybody know what the score is. So it's like a big responsibility outside of officiating. You gotta do all of these things in real time. So I feel like it's changed his personality for the better now that he's more comfortable speaking to people. Um, do you think like in those early moments that you had a, a, a tinge of that, that you were able to just be, be more of an effective communicator? Yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, that's one of our main responsibilities when officiating a game, right? We're trying to, you know, communicate. We watch plays and then we make a call to show like what happened in that play. So we're kind of communicating with, with hand signals, but I guess it kind of translates over as well to, to verbally speaking too. So yeah, I, th I think it did help with my communication. I'm interested to hear about your experience in college when you were running track and you play golf, right? Same time uh, in, in high school. I, I still play golf today, but I didn't I didn't like play in college. I just ran track in college. What was that like running track? Because I always ran track because in ninth grade, um, I don't know why I ran track. I just ran track because everybody else ran. All my friends ran track. And I remember I was on the four by one relay, but I was on the B team, but I was the anchor, which means that I was fifth place. That doesn't mean I was good. <laughs> and um, I remember doing the 200 meters and I didn't pace myself correctly. But some people could just kind of sprint all up. And then I don't know if you know, 400 meters is very hard, but I really found my footing in cross country my senior year because <laughs> I remember the first time we had like time trials for tryouts. Everybody makes a team. Like as long as you're like sound of mind, you're going to make the team. But I remember killing everyone the first 20 seconds. You know why? Because I was sprinting like it was a 100 meter dash. And then come to find out like 400 meters later, everyone was killing me. And then I remember when I finally finished the race, huffing and puffing, everyone finished like four minutes later, four, four minutes before that I did. They're like, you got to pace yourself. I don't know what you were thinking, doing what you were doing. So it really helped me to discipline, but it really truly made me like love running because, you know, at the same time I was running eight miles with my friends, but I was just talking to my friends at Beth Page Park, just running hours and hours. We would go to Sunken Meadow and practice and we would go just run four miles and we would have no choice. And I never thought I would enjoy that. I would never thought I would enjoy the camaraderie that that brought up. But um, just talk about your experience running track in high school and then just doing it at the collegiate level. Absolutely. So the running has always been something that I, I've enjoyed. I think in high school, I, I discovered that I, it was something that I was good at. You know, my, my times were good. I was a, a 400, 800 meter runner myself. So a mid distance guy. Um, I think in high school, I discovered that I was pretty good at it and I, I enjoyed it. I liked doing it. I, I like to to stay in shape really. And so I took my talents to the, to the college level and ran 
D3 at uh, Fredonia. And I had a really good experience there as well. It was it was definitely challenging being a, a music major as well. I'm, I'm sure, Ralph, you know the amount of time that it uh, takes to be a musician, the amount of hours practicing. And yeah. uh, so it was really tough to balance that while being uh, an athlete as well. There were, there were times where uh, on like a Tuesday night, I would be um, doing track practice by myself at uh, nine o'clock at night in the field house, all, all by myself, just because I had music classes all, all day in the morning when the rest of the team would be practicing. And uh, so the, the coach would leave a stopwatch outside of his, his office. I would go there at a quarter to nine at night, pick up the stopwatch, go to the field house and, and do my workouts there on my own. But uh, it was definitely a great experience. I, I, like I said, I really enjoy running. I love staying in shape. So um, I really loved running track in college. What instrument did you play? Trumpet is my, my primary instrument, but I'm, I'm a band teacher. So I, I had to take, you know, classes when you're in college to be a music teacher, you take like, you take saxophone class, you take, you take trombone class. So you, I know how to play all the band instruments. That's like my biggest regret that I didn't play the band because I was so into the orchestra world. And I feel like as though when, and, and I don't know if this is true, I'm only saying this from just what I remember, but I felt as though that because I was good at viola, they were very territorial of me. They're like, you can't play, you can't play trumpet. You can't, as if they knew that if I started playing the trumpet or if I started playing the saxophone, that I feel like I'd get rested away and then I would start playing all of those instruments. Do you find that to be true or am I, am I bugging? Um, I, th I think in that particular case, I, I wouldn't agree with that because that's like orchestra versus band. Like they say some certain band instruments that you play, like say you're a trumpet player and then you want to take up flute. The, um, the shape of your mouth that you make, it's called the embouchure, like the muscles in your mouth. Um, they're very different. So it, it kind of can like not help so much with the development of the two. But uh, I mean, the, uh, Using your fingers on strings and your your mouth for trumpet, I think those are two very different things. So I mm. I wouldn't really. I guess it depends on the two instruments, really. Okay, well, since you had such deep sense of purpose with running and also just playing instruments, I'm sure that going back to officiating the second time around and getting certified, it must have been a different seriousness of purpose. Um, just talk about taking the class in Board 41 in Nassau County and then just starting to do games and now. You know, getting getting a little bit more than eight dollars a game. <laughs> yeah, so I I took the class. Uh, I was student teaching on Long Island, student taught in Half Hollow Hills, and that that was in the fall of two thousand and sixteen, I believe. And then, uh, so I took the class while I was here, student teaching. Um, it was just I had. I had, I had been refing like over the summers when I came home for, from college. So I never really stopped refing and it was just something that I always enjoyed doing. So I wanted to get certified and I wanted to, you know, take the next step in, in officiating. So I, I took the class, I signed up. Mm. So at that time, you know, we talked about off air of just like, just having connections and just knowing what, who to talk to. I think that's such a, a deep component because you could be, the greatest person in the world. But if you're in a gym that nobody knows, nobody's going to care. You know, you got to kind of put yourself in a situation where it's a high level game, a lot of high level people are watching and then you're doing your thing. Um, so when did you realize that that was a thing and that you wanted to elevate to the highest level possible for yourself? When did you start taking it serious? Um, I think, I think I actually knew before I got certified and before I took the class that this was, this was just something that I, I wanted to do. Uh, playing in the, in the CYO groups and growing up, my, my father used to be president at St. Bernard's. So I was, I was spending so much time at St. Bernard's anyway. And I, I got to know some of the officials that were working there a lot at CYO games. And I, I just always saw, you know, they, they enjoyed doing it and they, they always said that it's a, it's a great job to have. And I think that, that made me kind of interested in wanting to, to do it myself. And plus I had already been doing it from, from eighth grade up. So I just figured I'd, I'd stick with it and, and keep doing it. Mm. Aside from St. Bernard's, I know how near and dear it is in your heart for St. Bernard's, but, you know, Island Garden is also a place that we both work and that we have a lot of deep sense of pride um, just working there. Just talk about how much you've been able to grow in your development from the start of when you started Island Garden to now and how much it's provided you an opportunity to just become a better official just by virtue of reps. Uh, yeah, I, th I think you just said it right there at the end. Uh, reps, I think I think that's been one of the biggest things with my my experience at Island Garden. 
um, there's games all year round. So you're, you're always working. Uh, the more games you get, the better you're going to get at something. So I think Island Garden has been really helpful in, in my development as an official, just, just working so many games. Mm. And even, even beyond that, I think it's what you put into those games that you get. I think it's the, you know, you, you do all these games and yeah, you could half ass them all, but, or, or you can work as hard as you can and always try to get better. That's the attitude I always try to have. And I think I've, I've tried to put that into all the games that I've had and you know what you, you get out of it, what you put into it. So I've always tried to do that with the, the games I've worked at Island Garden. I'm not sure how much experience that you've had refing outdoors, but I know that you have been refing outdoors um, as of recent. How different is that refing outdoors as opposed to refing indoors, whether that be Cos or Bold and Mac or any other opportunity that you've had? Um, I don't I don't find it that much different. Uh, I wear different shoes, though. <laughs> I, have Me an, too. I have an outdoor pair of shoes and an indoor pair of shoes. Um, other than that, though, I mean, it's, it's just basketball. Every now and then you get you get the game at like six o'clock with the sun's in your eyes for, for half the game. Yo, but. People get so reckless at, at Rockville Center. You see them wearing a hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see them wearing like a lacrosse shirt. You see them wearing sunglasses, a towel over their head. It's crazy. I, I can't do that. I just can't do that. I have to like just look the same. But at the same time, I'm so used to like looking in front of the sun without glasses because what I do baseball, I've done flag football. So I'm just used to reffing outside. But um yeah, man, that 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 league is so interesting, right? It's just like you never know what you get that that night, right? So I was excited that I ref with you, and I remember we had a crazy game. Do you remember that game? I do remember that game. That game was so crazy, <laughs> but those guys are, are are nuts, man. But after everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a basketball official? Um, I've I've I said before I've definitely uh, took pride in the amount of hustle that I, I always give. You know what? I, I try to do that with everything I do in life, really. I always, you know, put my put my best effort into everything that I do. I always want to be the best that I can be at whatever it is I'm doing. And I, I definitely apply that to my officiating. Um, let's see some of the some of the camps I've gone to, you know, I've gone to some camps, you know, the main goal of that is to develop your skills and get better at that. So I think that's definitely helped as well. Um, if you could officiate another sport, what do you think it would be and why? Well, you've you've said before that girls basketball is a different sport, so right. definitely that. I plan on getting certified in that as well. Um, but I don't know. I haven't really given any any thought into officiating anything else. That's a, one of the things I do like about basketball is that there's a time on it. So I don't know if I would if I would be interested in officiating baseball or softball, something that that doesn't have a time limit on it per se. What about track? Would you ever do track? Possibly track. I don't know. The the meets get really long too, oh, yeah. especially if you're doing an invitational. I mean, that's that's your entire Saturday. That's a fact. That's a complete fact. Yes. I remember one time we had this like um, meet at St. Anthony's, and it was. It, I just remember I had the 200 meter, 100 meter, four by one. I think I ref. I uh, ref. I ran a total of like 30 seconds. And I spent 12 hours there. I was yep. like, why do, why, why do I do this? And then I ended up doing volleyball. <laughs> so I, I get it. But, you know, cross country, though, is different, though. Cross country, I feel like I was, I was doing something. Um, what do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go? Um, I think, you know, this is, this is something that I think I'm pretty good at. And I, th I think the sky's the limit for me. I want to I see how, how far I can get. And I'm... I'm going to, you know, keep, keep hustling, keep working as hard as I can, keep trying to meet all the right people, go to camps when I can, just further develop my craft, get as good as I can at what I'm doing, and we'll see where it takes me. Yeah, listen, I'm interested because now my goal is not so much about how far I can go, but how far I can get closer to the basketball community, the officiating community, the basketball officiating community um, without refing myself. So what that means is that Somebody like you, you're a perfect person for me to pour everything that I can, any resource that I can. And even if I don't talk to you every day, even if I don't ask you about a play or something like that, I know you're putting yourself and I'm hopefully helping you or influencing you to a situation where you're able to thrive. And I hope you feel that. I really do, man. Because, you know, it's coming from a genuine place. And it's not just you. I try to help everyone that I can because... You know, I, I just understand how difficult it is to navigate that. And I, I just find that if you could be a simplifier and put people in a position where, you know, I'm not necessarily going to tell you what to do, 
But it's very obviously this is going to be a good situation for you, right? I think you can feel that. So, you know, I, I do feel and I agree that sky is the limit for you. Um, so I, I also think that it's, it's also a weird situation because it's like you're kind of competing with other referees. But you, I think what's perfect is that the dialogue in which I hear you when you're, when you're saying all this stuff is that you want to be the best that you can be, right? Um, but having said that, I, I am interested to hear about not necessarily the most thickest situation that you ever had, but with this whole just doing all of these crazy games so far, thus far, this whole summer, and then just since everything's been opening up, what is the most sticky situation that you've ever had during this whole time of everything opening up? It's got to be a crazy situation. Has to be. Um, I don't know. I guess it, it was probably just one of one of the first games I did at the Mac, just getting used to the the atmosphere of over there because they're <laughs> they're they're literally crowding the court all over the place, and it's just it's just not something that I was really used to, and not something that I had seen in a long time, just because of coronavirus and everything. Right. I mean, the Bosi season, we were refing in empty gyms, and it was. It was great to see big crowds again, but it was a little bit intimidating too. Mm. My, my first time being back out there. So um, I don't know about a sticky situation, but it was just uh, definitely difficult. To, yeah, yeah. I mean, you had to get your bearings, but do you think that you were able to be more comfortable with the crowd? Because I feel as though if somebody like you as a referee come in there, they're trying to test you. They're just trying to see if like, if you're going to be able to withstand the pain, if you're able to withstand the banter, the peanut gallery that is, you know, I think they're just trying to do it playfully. But, you know, sometimes if you're not knowing, understanding what the environment is, you might take that to offense. But did you feel like just having those interactions alone where they just trying to mess with you and then you were able to just alleviate those fears by just blowing the whistle and just being you? Absolutely. I, I think so. I think, one uh, you know, as, as officials, we, we hear everything under the sun about uh, calls that we make or we, that we didn't make. And you know, we need to eventually develop some tough skin. I mean, you, you can't respond to every single thing that you hear about yourself. I mean, it'll drive you insane and you could just never do that. And that's partially what the crowd wants. They want you to give into that. So I've always had, you know, the attitude of just focus on what I'm doing and, you know, ig ignore as much of it as I can. When it starts, when it starts impeding with my ability to call the game, that's when I intervene. And that's when I, I have to stop the game and take, take action. Mm. But there's a lot that you need to just, you know, let it, let it roll off your shoulders. They're, they're there to talk. How were the crowds today? Were they crazy? They were pretty crazy. Uh, not as crazy as the Mac, I would say, but, um, the, there were still a, a lot of people and it, it was loud, but I feel like at the Mac, they're just, they're, they're more on top of you over there. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're smoking legal marijuana now yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're just like, look at it. There's a white boy. Oh, let's, let's make fun of him. And so it's, it's such a, a funny thing, man. Um, I'd be remiss that if you didn't have the opportunity to just talk about the mentors that you've had that have helped you along the way, whether that be, you know, academically, you as a professional, as a teacher, or just your parents, or anybody in the officiating community that's helped you, I just would like to give you an opportunity to just shout out your mentors, who they are, list who they are, what have they done for you, and um, how do you think they've shaped the way that they have given you the knowledge to help people after you? Absolutely. Uh, for starters, I, I owe a lot of it to Andy Lubell. He was the, uh, when I took that class to ref games for uh, $8 a game at St. Bernard's, uh, he was the instructor. So he kind of got me started, uh, taught me a, a lot of what I know today. And uh, so I, I owe a lot to Andy Lubell. And then um, everything else is just really people that I've, veterans that I've worked with along the way, you know, guys that you see at Island Garden all the time. Uh, James Washington, always somebody that I've worked with a lot and somebody who's always given me advice. And uh, we've just reflected on and had conversations about, about calls, about games that we've done together. Terry Twybell, another one that I've seen so much at Island Garden that I owe a, a, a lot to the people that I've just worked with a lot over there. Uh, I also owe a lot to, uh, to Mike Smolens. He's somebody who's observed me a couple times. Uh, he's been really helpful with, with his advice, just things that he's had to say. We've, we've worked a lot of games together as well and have talked about a lot about that. Um, there's a lot of St. Bernard's officials that I've, that I've known for a long time, just being around the St. Bernard's community a lot. Uh, Tom Caramella is, is somebody that I've, I've seen a lot around St. Bernard's and uh, now somebody on the on the girls' side who, who wants to help me out as well. Uh, somebody that I've seen at Causes Camp as well. So uh, he's somebody else who's uh, given me a lot of a lot of constructive feedback that I've that I've taken and used as best as I could. 
How about your bread and butter? You're just your teaching because I really think that teaching and officiating really kind of go hand in hand because at the end of the day, you might not be overtly teaching people playing basketball, but I know that teaching is a big part of you and it's like something that's helped your personality to go outside of being quiet and, you know, just putting on, you know, your teaching cap and then just really trying to be impactful for all the students that you have. If you had the opportunity, just talk about your mentors on the teaching side as well. Sure. When uh, when I was in high school in, in ninth and 10th grade, I, I had a, a my band teacher, his name's James Ingenito. He was a, a trumpet player. Uh, he's, he's unfortunately not doing very well right now. He got COVID. Um, he's down in Florida. So, uh, shout out to him. I, I hope he recovers and I hope he gets better. He's, he's been a huge influence on my life as well. Um, also in 11th and 12th grade at the high school level, Greg Warnikowski was my, my band teacher as well. So just, just band teachers that I've, that I've had along the way in middle school, Gloria Vasco, just teachers that I've had along the way. What is the most stickiest situation that you've ever experienced um, being a teacher? And also, what's the most experience, most stickiest situation that you've ever had um, in track? I'd be interested to hear. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the track one first because I, I could think of one right away. So I was in um, 10th grade running in the, the county county championship four by 400. I was the second leg. Um, I, I received the baton and as, as soon as I turned, I, I ran right into a kid and fell right down. Turns out that um, there, was, there was one team in front of us, I forget who they were, but um, he was intentionally blocking the, the first lane of the track and Ooh. knocked me over. And uh, un unfortunately we ended up not winning that race. And I think that that kind of had a, a lot to do with it. So that was a, I guess a sticky situation I got into on the, on the track. What about as a teacher? As a teacher, um, I don't know. I, I've only been teaching for five years. And Not knowing nothing, what you're doing the first day? I mean, nothing too crazy has, has happened. I mean, I've, I don't know. I've, I felt pretty confident the, fir the first day teaching. Well, I, w I will say this. I was kind of eased into it because when I got hired, I wasn't, I wasn't full-time right away. I was only 0.8 in the district. And I was kind of like a floating band teacher. I didn't have my own band. I was just kind of teaching lessons throughout the, the district. So it was, it was a great way to kind of ease my way into it. And I mean, there's not really anything too crazy that I've, that I've seen so far. Yeah, that means because you, you, you were never a... DOE teacher. Mm -hmm. If you were a DOE teacher, then you'd be like, yeah, they threw a tuba in front of my head. <laughs> um, but having said that, conversely, what is your best moment as a teacher, best moment as a track and field athlete, and what is your best moment thus far as an official? Uh, best moments as a teacher, definitely when you're, uh, as a band teacher, when you're, when you're standing at concerts and conducting, you know, at showing that audience everything that you've been working on. You, all, you do all, this? Like, all your, you, oh, yeah. You move your hand and mm -hmm. all that? Yep. Interesting. Yeah, I got my I got my uh, my master's degree from LIU Post in conducting. Do you have to do it a certain way? Like what? what oh, how, oh yeah, there's a, there's that? it's an art form. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And people listen. Mm -hmm. Okay, you have to invite me to the next time you you orchestrate one of these concerts because it's like it never makes any sense to me. Now, listen, I've been in the orchestra for many years when I was in elementary school, and I just knew when to go up because they would point at me and then they would go, and then do the <laughs> you know the like the breathing up thing. Yeah, yeah. You do that. That's so crazy. I just can't see you doing that, but I guess it's a different Yeah, so those are, those are always the, the best moments as, as a band teacher. It's, it's something that we've gone away from for a couple of years be, because of COVID. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to have concerts, but hopefully in the near future, we'll be, uh, we'll be getting back to that. Uh, some of my best moments officiating. Um, I, had, I had one game. I worked with, I worked with Andy Lubell, actually. We were, we were at Sports Hub, and uh, I had two of... Two of some some of the hardest coaches that that I've ever had, just guys who are on you the entire game, and I think it was it was one of the first times where I really like stuck up for myself. Like I, I you know, I'm a quiet guy. You know, I, I I take a lot of talk, but uh, that was one of the first times that I just like stopped the game. I went over to the coach and I said to him, like, listen, I I know that I'm doing the best that I possibly can. You need to tone it down. And I, I it was just just. Something that I, I felt good about myself doing that, sticking up for myself. Damn, you're better than me because you know me. I'll, I'll, as soon as they start, I'm like, all right, you ready? You ready? You got your popcorn? Because I love, I love talking. Not that I love talking back. It's just like I want you to understand I'm a person, and I want you to understand I respect what I do. So when somebody's questioning what I'm doing incorrectly because you can't execute a move or you haven't worked hard, I'm not going to feel bad for you. And I don't know if that's how you feel, but that's how I feel. And 
you know, shout out to my man Andy, man. We had a crazy game like two years ago. I don't think I've ever told you, but believe it or not, I had a game where one coach was my sixth grade gym teacher and the other coach was my college roommate. And Andy LaBelle was on that game. And Andy LaBelle was basically an innocent bystander of how they were both just getting at me because they knew me personally. And Andy's like, Jesus Christ, what, what did you do to both of them? And it was just, it was so funny, man. But I remember um, it was such a hostile crowd and we were running, we're just running to the exit as soon as the game ended because I felt like the crowd was going to all beat us up. And the funny thing is Andy forgot his Iabo jacket. So he had to go back out. And he's like, I got to go back out. I'm like, I'm not going with you. And he ran and he got the biggest boo. And the person that was booing was right next to his jacket. They're like, you're so terrible. Oh, my God. We had some endless laughs in that band. But listen, I want to wrap this up because I want to keep more meat in the bones, man. I feel as though when we do part two, you'll even grow even more, man. But, you know, I'm really proud. I, I, truly, I'm very proud of somebody like you because I know I don't got to worry about you. I know I don't have to periodically check on you and say, are you trying to work on your game? Because I know just by virtue of you just constantly being amenable to, you know, any of the games that I throw you, aside from being on vacation. And, you know, I think about, you know, just your experience as an assigner, because you were an assigner before me at St. Bernard's. And I remember you threw me games. I, I was so honored that you were able to give me some games and you were giving me games with people that just started or, you know, just a comfortable situation to make me feel comfortable. And you took care of everything. Your, your communication skills were impeccable when it came to that league. I always take that into consideration because we don't always work with really good assigners or, you know, sometimes we work with mysterious assigners and we don't know what they want. You know, I feel like I want to be somebody that's helpful. I want to be somebody that's transparent. And I also want you to feel like you can say, no, nah, I can't, I'm on vacation. And that, that's, that's a very empowering thing to trust somebody that you know, like even you, you already know for a fact that if you tell me you're on vacation, I'm not going to say, All right, I'm going to put you out of the rotation. That's not what it's like. I want to make sure that you know that I know what it's like to want to take a break. I know what it's like to want to take a vacation. So I thought that was an important thing to just have a good relationship and not think that it's like the Wizard of Oz that I throw, I hold power over you. So, you know, I'm really honored and excited of your growth in the future. Um, just really quickly, if you can, just your short-term goals for the upcoming season. What are, you, what are your aspirations of, aside from improving, what, do you wanna, what are you seeking for as an official? Um, well, I'm definitely planning on taking the girls class, getting girls certified and uh, getting into the loop there as, as soon as possible so that I could start attacking it on both sides. But other than that, just, just getting better, being uh, reflective uh, on my game as, as much as I can. I, I will say this. Another great thing about uh, refing in, in the pandemic has been all these games have been uh, live streamed and recorded. So we, we now have video of, of us officiating. And I've, I've gone back and I've watched myself ref some of those games and, you know, see, uh, check my positioning. Where can I be to, to see this call a little bit better? You know, did I actually get this call right? Because there, there were some times where I wasn't really sure. And it was it was reassuring when uh, the times when I did get it right. But um. You know, you, you live and you learn and you always try to get better at what you do. So I yeah. think just always trying to get better. Final thing I'll say, um, for me at least, is that I remember that when we started reconnecting in March and then we were talking about how you wanted me to take you under my wing. Um, I remember you telling me just how much of a fan that you were of listening to Referee Rant. And, you know, I think the whole time that I was making it and just like, you know, booking guests and then taking the time to just interview people and get to know people because I don't know some people I don't even know I just kind of meet them and then they just come on the show me I've had a relationship with you for like five years so the fact that you were listening to it even though you didn't tell me that until we did it like it's the honor of my life to be able to do this you know and be able to share it to people that you know people would care so I thank you man it really inspires me to just you know kind of keep going but you know, I thank you. Any final words you want to say before we part ways? Absolutely. I, I would be remiss if I, you know, I was talking about mentors before and I would be remiss if I didn't mention you as, <sighs> as one of my mentors, of course, because you, you have helped me so much. I mean, you've said so many times you're throwing me into the fire and you know what, honestly, that's, that's what I need at this point in order to, to get better at what I'm doing. And, you know, I think another thing you've done is you've, uh, I'm going to jump back to a quick story. Uh, 
we were working together. One of like our second or third times working together. I don't remember what. Couple it, years when back. It was. Yeah, it was. It was at St. Mark's in a, in Woodbury. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember refing with you there, but it had, must and have been your, a long your, time ago. Your son was there. Mason was there. And uh, when when you introduced me, you said I, I want to introduce you to Uncle Brendan. And I think I think that said a lot. Like here's this guy we're working like two or three times together. We don't know each other that well, but you're introducing me to your son as as an uncle. And I I just think that said a lot about the the brotherhood that goes into to refing. You know, we really are all family and uh, that that meant a lot to me so i'd you know getting back to i just want to say thank you for all that all that you've done for me so far up to this point that means a lot and we're going to do a lot of successful things together man i appreciate your time for uncle brendan byersdorfer this is ralph the ref this is the ramp we are signing out peace